The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 87. Today is Sunday, April the 8th, WrestleMania Sunday. For those of you WWE fans out there, the day after National Beer Day or National Beer Lovers Day. I can't remember which, but I, I celebrated regardless. Uh, before we continue, allow me to introduce my co host all the way from New Jersey. Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you doing uh, in the wake of one of the craziest weeks in MMA history, my friend? Bill, it's been a roller coaster of a week, but I think the thing that upsets me the most is that over the last couple of years, it's still cold in New Jersey, even in April. I think that's yeah. been the worst part of this week. Yeah, I, I've seen... Um... I've seen a lot of people complaining that that live up north still. Like, I guess we're not doing spring this year, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Spring's gonna be in October. If it's any consolation, Jeff, it's uh, it's about eighty degrees here in Florida. Uh, I'm gonna be making some margaritas after we're done with the show here. So uh... that's, that's worse, Bill. <laughs> at least, at least in the cold, you can put on as many layers as you want to be comfortable. In the heat, I mean, the the most you can do is get naked and still be hot. That's terrible, Bill. Or you could get naked and feel better. I'll do it. But anyway, <laughs> it's um, it's actually alligator mating season here in Florida. You seen ever seen alligators get it on, Jeff? No, but I do know that they have their um reproductive organs like on at the base of their tail on the bottom, and it's like a hole. So if you stick your finger in there, if you feel something like poke you back, it's a boy, and if you don't, it's a girl. Oh, is that how you tell? <laughs> That's how I learned that at a zoo. What, what kind of zoo did you go to? Usually, uh, aren't they trying to give educational information for children and stuff? They're telling you like where to stick your finger to violate an alligator. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was a pretty cool zoo. It was actually in um the the glades, I think it's called in Florida. Have you ever oh. been to? Oh, the Everglades. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Been out there, it's pretty cool. No, I haven't been there, but um, there's nothing to do besides the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds like a good time. Uh, I have been to. Uh... Oh, and you've been there too, Bush Gardens here in Tampa. They have. Yeah, we went there uh, in this, the last time I was out there in December. Yeah, they have an awesome zoo with a really cool alligator display, but. Okay, so I was kind of wondering about the alligators mating because they have like such dry skin, like it's so scaly. I was just wondering, like, you think they could start a fire? Maybe I don't know. I don't know if they like. I don't know if they're that aggressive about it. I feel like they're kind of lazy animals. They'll just kind of, you know, do what they got to do and then roll over and and go back in the pond not too different than humans do but um i got a question yeah i got a question for you so 
if both of the reproductive organs are at the base of the tails on the bottom, does the male roll over or does the female roll over? Like, are you not supposed to roll alligators? How does this work? I'm not sure. Maybe they both lay on their sides. <laughs> if anybody knows the answer to this, uh, please let us know. I'm actually really curious now. In any case, so much going on in MMA this week. And we're talking about alligator sex here. Uh, <laughs> we are we are fucking professionals, Jeff. Um, in any case, uh, wild card and wild week leading up to it. Um, I, I don't want to start off with all the Conor McGregor drama because I feel like that takes away from the actual, uh, you know, fighters who wanted to fight this week and who didn't want to act like idiots. Um, I, I guess we do have to address it. I, I normally don't like talking about anything outside uh, of fighting, but, uh, since this kind of impacted, a lot of the fights on this card, I guess we do have to talk about it, but I don't want to lead with that uh, because I don't want to take away from the performance of the fighters this weekend. And, uh, you know, from the, the courage of the guys who wanted to step in at the last minute to face Khabib, who has to be one of the scariest fighters on the roster, if not the scariest, uh, especially after all the stories you hear about him in the gym, you know, grappling Daniel Cormier and giving him fits and, uh, I, I also heard that, you know, all, uh, wrestling legend and Bellator fighter Ed Ruth went out to AKA to train and, and Khabib was taking him down easily. For those of you who don't know Ed Ruth, he he broke all of uh, Phil Davis's uh, records at Penn State for wrestling, uh, and he's a middleweight. Uh, so just a beast of a wrestler, and supposedly Khabib was taking him down at will. And, uh, that's, that's fucking crazy. And then when he gets people down there, he just tortures them and slowly drowns them. So, uh, we, we had a, a lot happened to make this fight happen. And the main event was Khabib against Long Island's ally Aquinta. And the way that happened was of course, first Tony Ferguson had to pull out, uh, due to a knee injury that he got on the on the Fox set doing pre-fight uh, media. He tripped over some wires and, and uh, tore his, blew his knee out. Uh, then Max Holloway stepped up. Big credit to Max Holloway. Flew all the way from Hawaii, jet-lagged and everything. Started training uh, to, to cut weight. He got down to 159 pounds, and the athletic commission had to step in and say, sorry, we can't let you do this. It's not healthy. Uh, credit to the New York Athletic Commission there because usually they fuck everything up. Uh, they probably actually got this one right because, as I was saying last week, Jeff, I think it was a common misconception that Max would have an easy time making weight since he was going up a weight class. But uh, as I was talking about, he he gets really big in between camps. You know, he gets up in the one eighties, and uh, that's that's a dangerous weight cut. And I know he. He consulted with his nutritionist, George Lockhart, but um, at the end of the day, the, the commission stepped in, luckily. And also, luckily, there were a couple of other lightweights fighting on the card. Now, this is where it got a little bit muddy because Ally Quinta was meant to fight Paul Felder. So these two guys weigh in. They both made weight for their fight. So they were both under 156 pounds. 
So in a non-title fight, for those who don't know, you're allowed a one-pound leeway. So you can weigh up to one pound over your weight class. So this was the lightweight weight class, which is 155 pounds. These guys are allowed 156 pounds. Paul Felder weighed in at 155 pounds on the dot, and Ally Aquinta weighed in at 155.2. Now, obviously, he could have shed that extra quarter of a pound or less than a quarter of a pound, but he didn't know that he was fighting for a title potentially when he weighed in. Now, should he have foreseen that, you know, given all everything that's happened? Like, yeah, I think at this point, I don't understand why they don't have top contenders fighting on the same card and have them make the championship wait just in case of an incident like this. In any case, the UFC wanted Paul Felder to step in and fight uh, Khabib. That's the rumor by the MMA journalists. Now, what I think is really the case is the MMA journalists wanted Paul Felder to step in and face Khabib because they have a much better relationship with Paul Felder than they do with Ally Aquinta because Al does not like the MMA media and he doesn't like giving interviews and stuff like that. So uh, the MMA media was saying that Paul Felder should have gotten the shot because he was on weight and Ally Aquinta was a little bit over. Obviously, he can't go back and re-weigh in because once you start rehydrating, uh, to to go back and try and cut weight again is is really dangerous, and I think the time limit had passed anyway. So a lot of shit happened, and then obviously the other lightweights on the card were Anthony Pettis and Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa was injured uh, in the Conor McGregor bus incident. So what a what a wild series of events that led to a main event featuring Khabib Nurmagomedov and Ally Aquinta in a fight for the undisputed lightweight championship. However, if Ally Aquinta were to win, he wouldn't be eligible for the title. And then the UFC said that they would consider Al the champion if he beat Khabib. So what, what was your thought on, on all this madness, Jeff? Because I know you and I were texting back and forth, uh, you know, every time a new piece of information came out. Uh, what were you thinking as all this was going down? Yeah, dude, it, <laughs> this week has been one giant clusterfuck, for lack of a better term. And honestly, I didn't even know who Khabib would be fighting, much less who was going to be the champion. I mean, the way I saw it, I thought we were going to have three champions at one point. Um, so a little nuts, a little crazy, but I guess everything worked out kind of. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Khabib was a dominant performance over Ally Aquinta, and it was it's kind of funny out watching Al's face when they were when they were going to announce the winner because obviously he knew he got dominated and and they read the scores and he was like, "Is it me?" <laughs> and then he was like, he just like dramatically got upset uh, or looked upset when they announced Khabib as the winner. Uh, so it's good to see that he was able to maintain his sense of humor, but. You got to admire the balls on Ally Quinta stepping in last minute against one of the most dangerous guys and uh, supposedly no hesitation on Al's part. I don't know if he was compensated more or or what the story was there, but um, 
when the opportunity presented itself, he jumped at it. So big credit to Ally Quinta. I mean, the guy's a real fighter and he had a decent showing against Khabib. His submission defense looked really good. Uh, his wrestling defense. I mean, what, what can you do against a guy like Khabib? And what I didn't like that I was doing was he came out in a really crouched down stance and he had his hands really tight and he wasn't letting his hands go until about the fourth round. And when he was letting his hands go, he was starting to catch Khabib a little bit. Once, once he got a little bit loose on his feet because Ally Quinta is an outstanding boxer. And, uh, you know, once he relaxed a little bit in there and stopped worrying about the takedown and let his hands go, that's when we saw his best performance. And I feel like the, so the crouching down obviously is to prevent takedown attempts, but, uh, you know, like I was saying last week, Khabib doesn't have traditional freestyle wrestling takedowns. He does a lot of body lock stuff. So crouching down to protect your legs doesn't really do as much against Khabib. I feel like a better strategy would be to stand up straighter and try to use your length as much as possible to keep him at a distance and then try and counter with a big power shot when he comes in for the body lock and catch him, you know, with a, with a straight punch, uh, you know, right through his guard, uh, because he comes in with his hands down a lot, which is why I feel like Max Holloway or Tony Ferguson would have been a good matchup for Khabib because they have those long arms and they could stand up a little straighter. And those are two guys who are really great off their backs. So they wouldn't be as worried about the takedown. Although you don't want to end up underneath Khabib. What did you think about Iaquinta's performance, Jeff? And what did you think about Khabib's performance? Because a lot of people have been a little bit critical of it. Dude, I think that Al Iaquinta could have probably um, turned it up a little bit more. I mean, he had nothing to lose, man. Worst case scenario, he gets finished. But I mean, that's kind of what everybody expected anyway. I would have loved to see him let his hands go. And, Bill, we talked about this last week, that Khabib fights with his chin really, really high up and his hands a little bit too low. And it's and I, I kind of got to give us props, Bill, because last night everybody was saying, oh, they um, thank you, Ally Kinta, for figuring out how to beat Khabib. You know, he fights with his chin really high. And, you know, that's something we were talking about last week. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, people were saying that Tony Ferguson could probably beat Khabib, which is kind of what we were alluding to last week as well. But anyway, um, yeah, dude, I think Al went about it all wrong. I think that he could have probably been a little bit more aggressive, put a little bit more pressure on Khabib because Khabib in the later rounds after the second round, he wasn't setting up his takedowns at all. There was one takedown where he threw uh, a one-two didn't move his feet at all. He stood. He stood square. His feet were square. Threw a one-two and then just dove at Ally Kinza's legs. I don't know if you saw that, Bill. Mm -hmm. But dude, it just his his takedowns got sloppy after the after the second round, and Ayakinto kind of figured out how to get out of them. I think being a little bit sweatier also helped him get out of those ankle picks. So I think that given the circumstances, Ayakinto did really well. And as for Khabib, he is fighting a new opponent on a day's notice. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he did bad at all. I think that 
in the third and fourth rounds. I think he was just giving himself a little bit of a breather from the grappling. As we've discussed many times, grappling is really exhausting. And I think he just wanted to see what Ali Akinta could do on the feet. So I think Khabib was kind of giving him a chance to play his own game there. Um, but, you know, at the end, he went back to the to the game plan and took him down, beat him up a little bit. But what, what's your take on all this, Bill? Yeah, I think he was basically just trying stuff out because he was even saying in the post-fight press conference that you can learn more in a 25-minute fight than you can in 10 weeks of training. And he knows that he's going to – he basically plans to – remain undefeated obviously so that means he'll have to fight five round fights for the rest of his career so he wanted to test his stand-up against a, a top level lightweight so he knew he had those first two rounds in the bag uh, i believe they were 10 eight rounds on all the judges scorecards except for one um so he knew he had those so he figured might might as well test his stand-up and uh it didn't look terrible i mean he he was landing that jab repeatedly. He busted up Al Iaquinta's face pretty well. And, you know, Al wasn't pulling the trigger back on him. So I guess, you know, why not explore some other things? Uh, if Al had, like, stepped into a couple of punches, though, could have it could have been a big mistake for Khabib. But, yeah, you do have to respect the fact that he stayed in this fight um, after how many different opponents. I mean, he was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson, then Max Holloway. Okay, those are two kind of similar styles. Then Anthony Pettis was put on the table, and then Paul Felder's name's getting thrown around. And then finally, you land on Al Iaquinta, who, you know, if you're going from point A to point E or F, whatever we're on, there's a big difference between Al Iaquinta and Tony Ferguson. But the thing about Khabib is he's going to fight the same fight no matter who's across from him. And that's what makes him so phenomenal because you know exactly what he's going to do, but nobody's figuring out how to stop it. And a lot of people have been critical of his, uh, of his performance last night and saying that, you know, they believe that Tony could beat him. They believe that Connor can beat him, but there's really no evidence because nobody's figured it out. You know, if somebody figured it out, then they would have done it. And I, I also feel like Khabib's grappling has kind of a Mike Tyson effect where where guys are are defeated by it before they even get in there. We saw the same thing with Edson Barbosa, who's one of the best strikers in the UFC, not even in the lightweight division. And he wasn't able to pull a trigger against Khabib because he was so nervous about the takedown. But overall, I thought it was really impressive. I think Khabib is deserving to be called the lightweight champion for sure. And I don't know what's next for him. Uh, you, you know, he called out George St. Pierre and he wants to fight him at Madison square garden in November. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard that Jeff, he was also talking about it on the UFC unfiltered podcast last week. He said his, his dream fight is to fight GSP. Supposedly GSP's response was that Khabib has unfinished business. I, so I think, what that's saying is he's open to the fight, but I think he wants Khabib to beat Connor first. And then maybe if he loses to Connor, then uh, GSP will take that fight. Obviously, uh, we know that GSP is only interested in the biggest paydays possible. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that? And what do you think is next for this division, Jeff? I don't. I don't know if the GSP Khabib fight sells. And 
I don't know. I just don't think Khabib's name is big enough, especially after last night's performance. Um, like, if you were to base uh, sales just on that last fight, I don't think it sells. But if he fights Conor McGregor first, I think that it sells a lot more, um, which I think could happen. I think that uh, this week's shenanigans, and Bill, I know, I know you didn't want to bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up. Um, <laughs> okay. Because you and I kind of think that it this was kind of a publicity stunt, and I, I think so too. When when I heard the news, well, you told me first, and I was like, oh man, that sounds like something WWE would do, where mm. a guy pulls up to the arena, there's a camera on his limo, and then somebody comes out from behind him and jumps him when he's getting out. So it just seemed really, really, I don't know, just it seemed too, too coincidental. I will say. Yeah. Um... There's a lot of there's a lot of fishy uh, aspects of this whole incident. So I'm sure everybody knows by now. Conor McGregor showed up to the Barclay Center after a press conference, supposedly looking for Khabib because he had an altercation with his teammate Artem Lobov in the hallway the day before, and uh, things got a little rowdy. And he wound up throwing some things at the bus and shattered the window, and some people were injured in the process. Um, the thing that I found strange is that uh, the UFC condemned Connor, Connor and said that this is criminal behavior and, you know, they don't condone anything like this. But then they aired it on the Embedded series. The, the fifth episode of Embedded had this incident and it wasn't the cell phone footage that was circulating on the internet. There was an actual film crew there. Now, granted, they could have just been there and flipped on the cameras but um uh, and i'm not too big on conspiracy theories and and i'm i'm not a fan of this kind of stuff especially because people were injured um so if, if this was a pr stunt and you know you know a lot of evidence seems to point to that especially the fact that you know the ufc used it in the promotion of the fight um uh, you know, that's the biggest sign to me that this was like an inside job. And I think Michael Bisping had the best commentary on this when he said, so Connor got upset that uh, his boy got bullied in the hallway. So he gets on a plane in Ireland and flies to New York and drives to the Barclays Center. And at no point did anybody try to calm him down. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought that was so hilarious because he's got to like, you know, he's got to like pack his luggage, <laughs> like get on his plane, do like an eight hour flight <laughs> and like get in a car and get over to the Barclay center and get let in the back door. And he's still got enough energy to be throwing dollies and stuff. Um, so this is exactly why I don't really like talking about these kind of antics because a lot of people get frustrated with Conor McGregor and say he's bad for the sport and you know he's acting like a thug and he's being really immature but um, the reason he's able to do these things is because people keep talking about him and keep complaining about him so the same people who are complaining and saying get rid of Conor McGregor like every time you use his name in the media is just adding fuel to the fire. So if you really think that this person is bad for the sport 
and you care that much, then you have to stop talking about him because the more you talk about him and the more you hate him, the more power you give to him. You know, it's just like, it, it's just like bullies in school. You know, they're, they're looking to get a rise out of you. And if they do, then, then they win because they get what they want. Uh, Connor, you know, in his eyes, no press is bad press. I mean, he got arrested by NYPD and, you know, he was trending on social media and he was all over the news and he's drawing eyes to the sport that wouldn't normally be on it. And that's accomplishing something. But, you know, if people kind of stopped talking about him and, and didn't give him this, this power, then, uh, then and he wouldn't be able to get away with it. And it, it's just that simple. So to the people who are constantly complaining about him and, and saying like he needs to go away and things like that, you know, it's up to you. Then again, there are people who just like to complain. Like they like having that bad guy and they like to bitch about it. So, um, there you go. You have them. <laughs> um, any, any other thoughts on this, uh, Dolly gate here, Jeff? Yeah, dude, it just, it seems like way too set up and, you know, this is what WWE does, man. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, uh, I'm not a fan of it, but, um, but it works, you know, Vince McMahon has made a lot, a lot of money doing stuff like this. Yeah, for sure. And then there was the other, the, the other aspect of this is that, um, the, the card lost a couple of fights because Artem Lobov was part of the gang. That was, uh, you know, throwing stuff at the bus. So his fight got pulled from the card. I would imagine they're going to cut Artem because he's just not a big commodity. And uh, normally Conor McGregor would probably stick his neck out to save him, but uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of leverage to work with right now. So that was one. And then Michael Chiesa was injured. He got a cut on his forehead uh, from the broken glass. Now, I... uh, I posted on Instagram, Jeff, uh, a picture of Michael Chiesa's face. So it, it was immediately after the glass had shattered. And this is from the UFC embedded video. They showed a clip of Michael Chiesa and he had a small cut on his forehead and some blood trickling down. Now, obviously, when you get into an accident like that and there's glass in your face, not all the cuts are going to show right away. So obviously it didn't look that bad uh, from the photo that we saw. So I posted on Instagram a, a, a picture of Will Ferrell from Step Brothers when he has a little scrape on his arm and he's on the floor crying. And I, the caption was, who wore it better? And Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> uh, people went to war with each other in my comments because the photo was... Uh, one of the top photos for the UFC 223 hashtags. So a lot of people saw it and people were just vicious to each other in the comments. Like, obviously it's a joke and I don't think that Michael Chiesa would really pull out of the fight, uh, o- over a minor injury. So it, it must've been worse than it looked in the photo. Uh, but you know, to me it was just a funny joke and people were ripping each other apart. They were saying, oh, he just wants to get money from Connor and oh, what a bitch. He could fight with that cut. And then 
And then people on the other side arguing back, what do you know about being in a car accident? You're a fucking idiot. And like going back and forth and you look at these people's profiles and there's nothing on them. They have like three pictures. So they have these social media accounts just to go and argue with people. And I completely ignore all of it, but it, it's kind of fun sometimes to sit at a distance and, and watch people go back and forth. I could really care less what any of these people think. Um, <laughs> you know, whether they listen to the show or, or follow me on social media or, or not, I, I don't pay any attention to um, people <laughs> who are arguing on the internet. I just, um, I, I find it really, I find it really amusing. You know, I'm always up for an intellectual debate uh or anything like that but you know sometimes things are just funny and if i find them funny i'm gonna post them on the internet and apparently it pisses some people off but um yeah i i don't really care <laughs> for the people who are only on social media to get in arguments um I, i've never understood this and but hey whatever i mean if that's what you enjoy doing with your time uh you, you know you have the freedom to do that i guess but uh so uh, what were your thoughts on that, Jeff? Because we, we also saw a picture of Ray Borg who uh, claimed to get glass in his eye and he was wearing glasses on the bus and his eyes were wide open right after the glass was shattered. Now that doesn't mean that he couldn't have gotten debris in his eyes and, you know, got gotten a scratched uh, retina or something. But, you know, the accusation by a lot of people is that, you know, they're, they're looking to sue Conor McGregor, which I can't really fault them for. I mean, Rose Namajunas even said she thought about pulling out of the fight because she was so shaken up and she didn't know what was going on. She didn't know that was the end of it. You know, her window was almost hit with the dolly. And then she said she didn't know if if any of these guys were armed, you know, if they had guns or anything. And, and she knew they weren't looking for her, but she could have been caught in the middle of something and you know, she was honest and said she thought about pulling out of the fight. Um, so, uh, what were your thoughts on, uh, on Kiesa and, and Borg being pulled and, and supposedly Michael Kiesa was pulled by the New York state athletic commission. So I think, I think they were too nervous to let him fight. And as far as Ray Borg, I don't know what the story was there, but what's your opinion on all this, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I think that, Going back to what I was saying about the stunt, I think Connor went a little overboard. So, so here's my theory, and I guess you can call it a conspiracy theory if you want. I feel like Connor was just supposed to kind of ruffle some feathers, maybe run on the bus, and and just make it look like he was going to get into an altercation, and then security would like pull him off or something, pull him off the bus. Um, I think maybe went a little too far with throwing the dolly, but at the end of the day, you know, there are consequences to everything. And sadly, you know, Kessa, I don't know how hurt he was. Um, but you know, I'm I'm sure that probably the commission didn't let him fight because Kessa's a warrior, dude. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like he, he probably would have fought, but like I said, he's a warrior. I think the state commission, just to look out for him, didn't want to put him in harm's way. And as for Borg, I mean, I don't know, dude. Uh, it looked like he was okay at first, but then there was a picture on Twitter of his eye being really red. So maybe some debris went in there or something. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, dude, it was just this week. It's like this whole card was cursed, man. It was weird. Yeah. Was, so it, many things went wrong. Yeah, there there seems to be some kind of disaster every time the UFC comes to New York, um, which is ironic because they fought for so long to get MMA sanctioned in New York State. And now every time they come here, it's, well, I say here, uh, every time they go there, um, it, it's a shit show. I know one thing's for sure, Jeff. If Mario Yamasaki was on that bus, he would have stopped that glass before it touched Michael Chiesa. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but anyway, Bill, let's 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 uh, leave the drama for a different time because Bill, while Rose was a little shook up, mm-hmm. she still put on an, an awesome performance against Joanna, not the champion Yen Jacek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was an awesome fight. Um, this is this is uh, an instant classic. I feel like one of the best uh, female fights ever. I think it was it was really close. They both did a lot of damage. Uh, Joanna, I think, landed more strikes, but Rose did more visible damage. Like Joanna's face was so busted up; it looked like she might have a broken eye socket or or two. Even uh, her face was so swollen, and uh, I know she did a lot of damage to Rose with the leg kicks. But supposedly Rose is walking around just fine backstage, and she said that. You know she's used to Pat Barry kicking her legs, so uh, I guess I guess that would uh, toughen your legs up if you yeah. have if you're a straw weight getting kicked in the legs by a heavyweight man. Um, yeah, I guess that'll do it. Um, so Joanna was convinced, and and her team was also convinced that she had won the fight. Uh, what were your thoughts on the decision, and what were your thoughts on? how the fight played out overall, Jeff. I thought the decision was accurate, except for the numbers. I didn't have it 49-46. All the judges gave Rose Namunas four rounds. I actually gave her rounds one and two, definitely, and then round five. Mm -hmm. I thought that in rounds three and four, Ioana kind of figured out the game plan here. She started attacking that leg. Well, she was attacking the leg over all five rounds. And they paid dividends in the third and fourth round. She really slowed Rose Namajunas down. And she was able to throw some combinations really well. Nothing with too much power, but still doing some damage. And I think she was doing a good job of just limiting Namajunas' movement. Because I think that's what won her the fight was that movement in and out, side to side. um, Coming in at weird angles. So Joanna couldn't, she just couldn't get it going. So I Mm -hmm. felt like... Rose um, did enough to win. And I hate when people say, oh, I threw more strikes, so I won the fight. But that's cumulative strikes. You know, that's everything together. Um, yeah. Break it up round by round, the numbers will be a lot different. Maybe you want to throw 50 strikes in round three. Uh, but that was the only round where she threw that many. So, you know, right. you can't go by that. And I hate when people do that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I had it three rounds to two. Yeah, exactly. I had it the same way, and I, I can understand Joanna. You know, she's she's really emotional. You know, she really cares about being the champion, and she's worked really hard, and she's been competing a long time. You know, between Muay Thai and mixed martial arts, and she had a great game plan because the two ways Rose had of beating her are her grappling and her punching power, which we talked about last week. So. You can take 
away both of those things by taking a person's legs away. You can take away their punching power because they can't push off their leg. And you could take away their grappling because you slow takedowns uh, down significantly uh, if you can't use your leg. And and Rose said that you know she was starting to feel sluggish in there, that the leg kicks were taking their toll, but uh, she's just so mentally tough. Um, I think uh, I think it was a great performance by Joanna, and I was really glad to see her bounce back from the loss like this and come back, and she looked. Like, you know, she looked like Ioana and, it, you know, that's always the concern when someone is so dominant and then they lose a fight, uh, you know, you have to worry about them coming back and, you know, obviously it's going to be tougher for her since she lost the fight, but I think that she'll be okay. You know, she'll, she'll get in there and there are still fights for her and now she'll have to work her way back to a title shot. And there are some interesting fights for the champion. Uh, you know, they were talking about a rematch with Karolina Kovokovic, uh, who beat Rose Nami Yunus on the ultimate fighter. And, you know, Claudia Gedalia has a fight coming up. So, um, maybe she'll get in there. Um, Jessica Andrade and, and Rose would be an interesting fight. Um, so what do you think, Jeff, what do you think is next for you? E either of these or both of these ladies. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I have to agree with you with, uh, Yolani and Jay check. She looked great in there. I mean, despite the loss, I think that if she had fought anybody else, she would have probably won that fight over the five rounds, the way she fought. Um, but Rose Nama Yunus, man, I underestimated her striking immensely, dude. I thought she just had power, but she's got the technique too, man. She she was giving Yohan a lot of problems. And as for Rose, I'd love to see her rematch Karolina Kovokovic, who just beat Felice Harry last night uh -huh. in a really good performance. Um, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Yoana, as for Yoana, um, I'd like to see her take on a grappler. Um, but she's already taken on Claudia Gadelja. Uh, she's already taken on Jessica Andrade. Maybe give her Felice Herrig. Um, she's pretty high up there, I think. Um, I was going to yeah. see Carlos Barza, but that help fight already happened. I think. Yeah. I also wouldn't mind seeing Joanna move up to uh, flyweight because uh, she's fought there before uh, in Muay Thai. Uh, I think, you know, obviously she struggled with, with the weight cut in the past. Uh, I think that would be a solid move for her, and there's a lot of interesting matchups for her in that division that's still being pretty much put together. Uh, and, you know, a fight between her and Valentina Shevchenko somewhere down the line uh, is very interesting. I think that would be an awesome matchup. Uh, you get to see Joanna a little bit bigger, probably with a little bit more power, and, you know, with the same technique, maybe with the same speed. Um, and you know, she's already lost to the strawweight champion twice. So, and she's pretty much cleaned out the whole rest of the division. So why not move on? And then, you know, maybe come back to strawweight later on. I don't feel like it would be running away. I think it would just be a new chapter for her. And, uh, I think there's a lot of interesting matchups there. And then who knows, maybe Rose can move up, um, Actually, I don't see her moving up in weight. She seems to be well-suited for straw weight, but um, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Uh, any thoughts on that, Jeff? 
Yeah, dude, now that you mentioned, I'd love to see Joanna at flyweight. I think that would be a better um, division for her. You'd see her filled out a little bit more. She's got a good size all on her already. And I'd love to see her fight Valentina Shevchenko and whoever the champion is. I forgot. I think it's Nico Montano. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So very interesting. So we spent a lot of time on the main event and co-main event and, you know, all the Conor McGregor drama. So uh, I just want to kind of breeze over the rest of this card. So Renato Carnero and Calvin Cater uh, fought to a decision. Uh, Zab Zabit Magomed Shapirov and Kyle Bokniak went to a decision with uh, Zabit coming away with that one. And another decision, which we kind of touched on already, Karolina Kovokovic and Felice Herrig. Um, I think I know the answer to this, Jeff, but which one of those fights stands out to you the most? Dude, it's got to be the fight of the night, man. Magomed Shapirov and Bokniak. They just put on a show. Bokniak, not a lot of um, dimensions to him. Uh, mostly, he just boxed. But he has so much heart, man. He would stand in there in the middle of the octagon just with his hands down, taking shots, get taken down, and just fight his way back up. This was an awesome fight. Definitely go back and watch it. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this fight as well and um it, it's funny jeff because i was uh, uh I, I just remembered this is a story i wanted to tell so i i had some people over for the fights last night i ordered the pay-per-view which is uh pretty rare usually i find some other means uh <laughs> to watch it but i i did pay for this one because yeah i was just looking forward to the card so much and we talked it up so much on the episode last week um that i, I was really looking forward to it so I pay for the card, and uh, my buddy brought over some some nice Cuban cigars, uh, some Cohibas, and uh, you know, obviously we wanted to enjoy the cigars, but I don't want to smoke them in my living room, especially uh, with a three month old baby. Probably wouldn't be the most responsible thing in the world to do, but uh, you know. I, you got you get your hands on some Cuban cigars. You want to enjoy them, so I, I can see my TV from the backyard through the window. I have like kind of a kind of a dining area, like a breakfast area, and you can and there's a big bay window, and you can see straight back to the TV. The problem is I wouldn't be able to hear the commentary. So what I did was I took the baby monitor. And I put the baby monitor in front of the TV. And then I have a, a type of baby monitor. I think it's called iBaby. Uh, let me double check on that. So it, it links to an app on your phone. And iBaby Care. Not a sponsor. Uh, so the iBaby Care app. <laughs> uh, so I put the baby monitor next to the TV. And I pull it up on my phone. And then I connect my phone to a Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> so I'm sitting outside in an Adirondack chair with a with a little scotch and a Cuban cigar. And I was able to hear the commentary. It was a little bit delayed. But uh, this is the fight I was watching from outside. And um, sat, I, I'm ashamed to admit, Jeff, this was the first time I set up the baby monitor app on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> to use it to watch UFC. Um, now, granted, Ariana still sleeps in the bedroom with us, so we don't really need the baby monitor yet. Uh, you know, she's not sleeping in her own bedroom. But it is kind of funny that the first time I set up the baby monitor was to use it for the UFC <laughs> so I could smoke a cigar outside. I feel like such a responsible parent. In any case, uh, yeah, Magomed Shapirov, uh, really big for this weight division, too. Uh, he's a featherweight, 145 pounds, and he's six foot one. Uh, and he's only 27 years old. So I don't know how long he's going to be able to stay in that weight class. And uh, obviously, he's he's on quite a run. I think he's got like 10 or 11 wins in a row. And that makes three wins in a row in the UFC. So it'll be awesome to see him fight again. Um, and those other fights I mentioned were all really great, too, even though they went to decision. Something I want to talk about that was unfortunate to see last night was the corner stoppage of Joe Lozon by Chris Grutzmacher. Um, it was really rough for me to, to watch Joe Lozon take this beating. Um, and he's got so much heart, and he's just basically out on his feet all busted up and still throwing punches uh, with his back against the cage. And luckily his corner uh, did the responsible thing and they threw in the towel after the second round. Um, God, this was a tough one, Jeff, because this is, you know, one of my favorite fighters of all time always puts on a, a gutsy performance, win or lose. You got to love a Jill Lozon fight. I, I think he's one of the record holders for most uh, post-fight bonuses. Um, this one's tough, and I, I hate to be to have thoughts like you know maybe it's the end of the line um, because I I don't feel like it's my place to say that about a fighter, but I know that as a fan of Joe Lozon, I don't want to see that again. Um, so it's kind of a, a tough situation here. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, dude, Joe Lozon took a beating, man, and he's so tough. Um, I think anybody else would have been finished in that fight. But uh, Joe Lozon toughed it out. You know, uh, it, it was – and I, I'm kind of in the same boat. At one point, I think I texted you, and I was like, they need to stop this because mm -hmm. he, he, he was clearly out on his feet. He was bloodied up. It looked like both of his eyes. He had two black eyes. Um, and thank goodness for his corner that uh, did the smart decision. And I think that as a corner, I think that they should be allowed to throw in the towel more often, like mid-round, mm -hmm. just throw in the towel if, if it comes to that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was probably getting close to that as well. And it, it's tough because like, you know, he, he's had such a long career. I mean, he's only 33 years old. He'll be 34 next month, I believe. And if you look at his last couple of fights on paper, okay, he's lost four out of his last five, but he's only been finished twice in those. And then the, his three fights before that controversial decision loss to Stevie Ray, uh, a fight that a lot of people thought Lozon won, including myself, and then a controversial win over Marcin Held, 
And then another controversial decision over Jim Miller in which I thought he won the fight against Jim Miller too. So he's, he's young. Um, but then in the fight last night, I don't know if he just had an off night, but it looked like his reaction time wasn't there. You know, like he wasn't, he came out really aggressive. He looked really good at the start of the first round. And then, uh, he went for a takedown and missed it, wound up on his back and, uh, Grismacher, uh, beat him up to the body and then he just never seemed to recover. And, um, yeah, hopefully it's not the end of the line for Joe Lozon. Maybe he'll take some time off and reassess and, and get back in there. I mean, he's a smart guy, so I, I don't feel like he's going to push it too far, but yeah, you got to hate to see stuff like that. Um, another fight I want to talk about. Uh, I, I've been really high on this guy for a long time. Olivier Alban Mercier and, uh, I, w I was saying last week, Jeff, how he's been on the cusp of, of being a main card fighter. And I think he just pushed himself over the top last night with the TKO over, uh, you know, perennial contender, Evan Dunham. Uh, I, I thought that Mercier would have been the, the underdog, but I had a feeling that he was going to pull this one off. I didn't see it going like this. Obviously he's no more as a grappler. So is Evan Dunham. Um, but yeah, he came away with a knockout and he, he looked really impressive. I thought Jeff, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, dude, I agree a hundred percent. I thought that Owen Mercier would grind it out a little bit against Evan Dunham, win some rounds, but dude, he came out like a bat out of hell and landed some beautiful knees to Dunham sternum. And there were two knees in particular. One, you know, knocked the wind out of him clearly, and the second one dropped him like a sack of potatoes, and that was it. So awesome performance from Albin Mercier, the Canadian gangster, crying after winning his fight. You got to love this guy. And he does a good GSP impression. <laughs> yeah you gotta love the accent i i don't know if i'm the biggest fan of the three musketeers uh mustache he was rocking but <laughs> um but <laughs> yeah awesome fighter i think he he put himself over the edge here and um he took this fight on short notice as well so credit to him for that uh you got to respect him stepping up especially against a tough fighter like evan dunham um uh, I think we'll wrap up UFC 223 there, Jeff, because we got another really exciting card coming up uh, next week. So UFC Fight Night on Fox 29 uh, from Glendale, Arizona, and it's headlined by Dustin Poirier and and Justin Gaethje. What a fucking fight this is going to be. I mean, these are two real warriors here. I mean, just two of the toughest guys, not just in the division, but probably on the roster. Um, and you know, really, I think is the most lightweight has to be the most exciting division right now, uh, in this moment. That's such an amazing fight. So obviously we're both looking forward to that one. And then the co-main event was going to be Carlos Condit and Matt Brown, but Matt Brown, unfortunately tore his ACL. That would have been a really awesome fight, but we are getting Carlos Condit against Alex Cowboy Oliveira. And uh, that should be a really interesting matchup. Um, 
hopefully we'll see Carlos Condit uh, return to natural-born killer form. And then we have the karate hottie Michelle Watterson against Courtney Casey Sanchez. Uh, shoe face Antonio Carlos Jr. and Tim Boast. Uh, Wilson Hayes and John Moraga. Brad Tavares and Christoph Jotko. That should be a really awesome fight. Uh, and, you know, we got a couple of other uh, interesting matchups here. Uh, Yushin Okami and Diego Lima. Uh, that that should actually be a, a really fun fight. Um, so a- anything uh, piquing your interest here, Jeff? What's jumping out to you? I'm loving the Tim Bosch fight and the Carlos Condit fight. I also see... Uh, Adesanya on here. He's a he's a younger guy. He has a lot of similarities to John Jones in his fighting style. So I'm excited to see him too. This this card actually looks really good, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Can't complain about this for a, a free fight night. Um, uh, I'm actually really looking forward to this one. But I'm sure the UFC would rather have some time off after uh, <laughs> the shit show that happened last week. One last thing I wanted to bring up, Jeff, uh, if you don't have anything else is the 25th anniversary press conference where it was announced that TJ Dillashaw would be fighting Cody Garbrandt in a rematch. And uh, Dana White was asked about Brock Lesnar returning to the UFC. And I don't know if you saw this, Jeff, but, Dana confirmed that Brock still has fights on his contract and that he will be returning and it could possibly be against the winner of Steve Amiocic and Daniel Cormier. And Daniel Cormier's reaction when Dana White said this was just priceless because I know he's like a big WWE fan. So I guess he really wants that fight with Brock Lesnar and I'm not mad about it, Jeff. I wouldn't be mad about Brock versus Stipe either. Uh, that's that's a fun fight. Obviously, the guy is a fucking freak, freak of nature. So, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see him back. I, I don't know if they're going to put him in the U- USADA pool or <laughs> give him an exemption again or what the story is there. But what are your thoughts on the return of Brock Lesnar? Bill, Brock Lesnar is the reason I started watching UFC. I'm not even kidding. Um, I was always a WWE fan, and then I'd heard that he went into fighting, and I was like, ah, this guy's not going to do anything. And then it turns out that he ended up becoming the UFC heavyweight champion at one point and beating Shane Carwin. And that fight against Shane Carwin is what got me into the UFC. That was a great fight and a really awesome comeback by Brock Lesnar. He really showed... He had some heart in that fight because he was almost finished in that first round. Yeah, uh, definitely. But um, he, I don't think he deserved the title shot against Randy Couture. Um, I don't think he deserves this title shot either. So I'd like to see him, you know, get maybe one or two fights under his belt before fighting um, for the belt. So I don't know, give him somebody like, uh, I don't know, give him somebody. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. There's not a whole lot of somebodies in the heavyweight division, which is why they had to bring Daniel Cormier up from light heavyweight to challenge for the title. Um, in any case, that'll be interesting. Uh, we covered a lot today, Jeff, but one last thing I wanted to mention, I said at the beginning of the podcast yesterday was national beer day on Friday. I went to a local brewery, which is uh, pretty close to me 
uh, Tampa Bay Brewing Company. And I think I've talked about them on the show before. I really enjoy a lot of their beers. They have some some funny names like the Reef Donkey, uh, American Pale Ale, and the Old Elephant Foot IPA. Uh, really solid beers. The food is phenomenal. So went there, had a couple of beer flights, some smoked wings, and really awesome beers. And then, um, you know, I texted you yesterday. I had a Guinness for breakfast. So a lot of beer uh, this weekend, Jeff. So I got to get back on a grind and, and get back in the gym this week. Uh, <laughs> probably uh, put in some uh, some extra hours, a little extra cardio, but it was worth it. Tampa Bay Brewing Company, they have a couple of locations. One is in Tampa and another is in West Chase, which is only about 12 minutes from me. So it's very dangerous that uh, I found this out and that they have amazing food and delicious beer so shout out to them and uh, that's what i was enjoying for national beer day because i brought some home and i was having some during the fight last night you've been sipping on anything interesting up there in jersey jeff nah just the usual pbr <laughs> college days bill can't go wrong a, with that yeah i thought it was, I thought it was a good choice for uh yesterday's uh crazy fight card but yeah you're up delivering both the card and the booze. I, I like it, Jeff, because you, you go with something, you know, everything's changing around you, so you go with something stable, you know? PBR is always going to be the same. You can always count on that. I like Great it. Structure, yeah. Great choice. All right, long episode this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you want to get a hold of Jeff on social media, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And, of course, drop me a line anytime you want or get in a fight on my Instagram comments at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Send me an email if you want, MMAontherocks at gmail.com. And that's all we got for this week. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.